Hello Patriots, welcome to episode 71 of the Patriot Review. Sorry about that, a little fat fingers made that um, play twice. Today we have a huge show. It's going to be rather lengthy, so those of you who may be on the fascist left who don't have an attention span, you might not want to tune in. Uh, getting ready for this story, uh, I have a lot to share with you, but first I want to talk about an upcoming project that I have. Now you may uh, have been aware or maybe not that I have produced a documentary called Freedom Waiting, The War Has Already Begun. Uh, that documentary, if you want to see it, is available uh, online in several places in the main platforms, Rumble, etc. But you can also go to my website at redbloodpatriots.com and sign up and then you'll be able to see that documentary. I put it up in three separate files on my website because it's rather lengthy. Two and a half hours, again, you have to have uh, some wits about you to keep the sanity as you watch this crazy stuff. So that said, I have another one coming up. Uh, this one is a much larger project. This is called High Treason, You Decide. Simply uh, have a panel of experts for each topic. The first topic is the uh, history of treason in America. So we'll talk about those who were arrested previously, what happened to them, and then after that show is done, that episode's done, we go on to the individual topics. You can go to uh, the website that's in the link. Uh, that, that address will probably change as I buy a dedicated domain for it. It's just work in the works right now. We're gonna talk about uh, treason in general. We're gonna we'll talk, talk about, about what, what, what it means it legally. legally. Um, um, you can you see, see the, the definitions, definitions there, there from the from US, US code. code. And you notice, you notice I have a whole, whole group of people, people here, here and, and you, know, you know, there there, there could, could be many, many more. more. And you'll and notice also it's on both, both sides of the aisle. aisle. And so, so, it's, so it's not, um, you know, I believe fully in the uniparty, people who are in it just to gain power and to increase their wealth. So that is the angle that I take it from. So you'll see people on both sides of the aisle that we are questioning um, whether or not their loyalties or disloyalties, um, you know, are really something that would lead to the definition even of treason. So uh, we will have panel members to do that. And of course, um, you know, Ronald Boyd and I will be part of that. But for each episode on the website, you'll see a cast list. And as I get uh, cast members or guest members dedicated to doing this project, you'll see their short bio and a, ca a cast card or guest card uh, for each of them, and it will depend on what the episode is, of course. So check that out. You can also hit the go for, uh, the uh, Give, Send, Go uh, donation link in the description below. Now, I just put this up uh, last night, so you can check that out again. Uh, any donations would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I do have, uh, you know, a donation page for Stacy that um, is listed also below so you can check that out and uh, I would appreciate the donations to her if it, come, if it comes to a choice between one or the other uh, please give it to Stacy so um, anyway you can check all that out and I have uh, not been in the zone for quite a while but here uh, we do have something to talk about here <laughs>
traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. So yes, you may have noticed in the news the battle back and forth on Twitter between, well, several people, Elon Musk and um, uh, the news, the mainstream media, the fake news, um, as well as others that are kind of surprising. So basically talking about the the uh, disinformation board that Biden announced and that we all know is unconstitutional, if we know what the Constitution actually says, that is. So here we have the name, the Ministry of Truth is a misnomer, and this is directly out of Orwell, uh, 1984. It is misnamed as those within its walls actually serve the opposite purpose to falsify history and the present in order to suit the beliefs and intentions of the party. So when we talk about, oh, the you know, 1619 Project and uh, other rewritings of history and we talk about what's going on in our schools today you know we can also see we can all see that it's an attack on several fronts um, the, the slogan of the party is to turn basically the uh, objective of the party is to turn everything upside down so you know war is peace freedom is slavery ignorance is straight and strength um, values that would would uh, you know say hey yes Treat others as you wish to be treated. Uh, all those Judeo-Christian values that most of us grew up with are now, you know, thought of as um, evil. Um, they attack the church, which, hey, I'd be the first to admit that the church, especially the Catholic Church, has a history that uh, has evil within it. But the acts of evil are the evil that men do. It is not the religion itself, and I think you could probably say that about most religions. Um, so in the news, uh, I found this entertaining that Jeff uh, Bezos actually came out and criticized this. He said the newly created disinformation board should review this tweet, or maybe they need to form a new non sequitur board instead. Raising corporate taxes is fine to discuss. Taming inflation is critical to discuss. Mushing them together is just misdirection. How true, how true, but notice he used the word misdirection. Well, that sounds like maybe this case, Joe, should be investigated by your new board. Lastly, the Ministry of Truth, which concerned itself with the news, entertainment, education, and fine arts. The Ministry of Peace, which concerned itself with war. The Ministry of Love, which maintained law and order. And the Ministry of Plenty, which was responsible for economic affairs. So I'd add, uh, you know, one more in there, and that would be the Ministry of Health, which determines who is, um, who meets the, the, the requirement or the who meets the standard for good medical care and who doesn't. And if you think that's really far out there, then you need to read the history of eugenics and the, support of, the supporters of eugenics throughout time. Look at uh, the 1920s and 30s in the United States, look at our history. And you will find that uh, actually there were quite powerful people that uh, that supported that thought that, hey, if you're not benefiting the society, then there's no need to have you around. So that is definitely not where we want to go. Then we have uh, also in the news this week, the, uh, the Dinesh D'Souza film, um, 2000 Mules. 
a lot of people are criticizing this film your typical players that is the fascist left that want to discredit uh, the evidence that was in that that film now that brings me to our episode today and uh, i have been actually appalled at what i've seen about stacy on some websites and of course the people on those websites and i'm not going to name them because they're really not worth visiting but the people on those websites talk about you know accuse her of trying to profit off of her husband's death and you know while she has made comments about possible movie um, possible movie deal it's always been um it's always been tied to her, her desire to get this story out there to make sure that people understand what she went through they also attack her claim of having facts and therefore they would attack my claim that she has facts that back up her position and i would just think i would just say that as you watch the interview that i have with her and then later on today you watch the um the video evidence that she has sent to me i ask you to use some common sense and ask yourself why would why would this person choose to make this choice so in, when it comes to medical care so i'm not going to give it all away but it's it's pretty easy to understand especially when these medical professionals are saying flat out that they know what they're doing is not helping and that if they tried ivermectin um you know that that they were seeing positive results from ivermectin and they should have continued that that to me is evidence that they know better and that's why i put this show together there's much more than that though so stick around and watch that and um you know keep in mind put yourself in stacy's shoes here and that's also what's so appalling about some of these attacks you know it's like like they have nothing better to do than attack a widow um and hide behind you know, they criticize shows like mine and other people who are standing up and putting their face out there and have the guts to actually talk about this stuff you know when these people sit behind their little websites and they they attack people and i'm sure they'll attack me but whatever i don't, could care less what they think but um the only thing i do care about is that their behavior is absolutely atrocious and you can all make up your mind this is called freedom of speech you shouldn't attack somebody for for you know uh, losing their husband and having the emotions that go along with that and you know it's just it's insane and it's unacceptable freedom of speech great you got your opinion wonderful you know i'm glad i'm glad that you have your opinion you should keep you should be entitled to that and of course you you people are probably the same people that supported twitter and banning you know 1.2 million users or whatever it was uh, and violating the constitution in doing so all right so enough said about that i'm going to take a quick break and then we will go into the interview i will not uh interrupt the interview it's uh i'm going to show it in in its entirety and then uh come back and take a break before we go into the video evidence that i have for you our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them are affecting our bodies our sleep and even our ability to think clearly the advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? 
Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. You can also learn more by watching episode 62 of the Patriot Review. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. I'd like to welcome Stacy Ogrenzik to the show today. Stacy is... Uh, a widow, another individual who was victimized by the COVID protocols. And as you know, if, you're, if you've been watching my show, we've had a few people out of the thousands that find themselves in this ridiculous situation. First of all, my heart goes out to, to you and your family and friends. And I appreciate you being here to tell your story. Welcome to the Patriot Review. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, these are these are really tragic events, obviously, and I think one of the problems that people have is they really don't think that this is the kind of thing that can happen in the United States of America, and everybody is kind of living through this. I don't know what it, what to call it, but it's almost like everybody has PTSD if they're really following what's really happening, because mm-hmm. it is mind blowing that this would happen in the United States, and you know I'm sure you know better than anybody, but. I want you to uh, use our time together to, to send whatever message you want to send, to tell your story, and uh, I may interject with some questions. Otherwise, you know, I, I want you just to uh, to get the message that you would like to get out. Okay. Um, well, my husband went in to Beaumont Hospital in uh, Dearborn, Michigan uh, in, on November 22nd. Uh, he started to, he was having a little bit of chest tightness, um, feeling like uh, 
nothing's too severe, um, but he wanted to kind of jump on it early, even though we were picking up meds uh, that were prescribed to him, like ivermectin, uh, the high, higher, uh, having a steroid, um, uh, Z-Pak, things like that, that he was prescribed, uh, but he wanted to go into the ER uh, that morning, it was like 4.30 in the morning that he woke me up and said, I think I just want to go and see if they can give me some oxygen and maybe a steroid shot. Uh, even though we both knew that these protocols um, that they're using in hospitals on patients uh, were not what we wanted, uh, and we're both scared of those by hearing other people's stories about how they could not get out of the hospital when they were in there. Um, or not, um, you know, being able to get the drugs that they want. And here we are, we have those at home, are able to get them, and, but he wanted to go in early, thought maybe I can get a steroid and nip this early uh, and before it gets bad and that would help. So you and, were, so you were, you know, I hear this a lot as um, everybody seems to say that they already heard some, some horror stories basically and yeah. that, that they didn't really want to go to the hospital, but they ended up feeling like they had to go. So is that where you were at, you two? Had... Yeah, I don't think I, I mean, I'm asthmatic, so I know what it's like to not be able to breathe and I know where I can push my limit. Um, but he doesn't have asthma, doesn't have any health problems, very healthy. Um, and so it scared him just having that slight chest tightness. And we had a uh, pulse ox meter at home and um, so we were checking his oxygen at home and he was ranging around 89 to 94 range if he wasn't doing anything too strenuous he was in the 90s so I wasn't too worried uh, and if he was trying to do anything like going up steps or whatever uh, then it would drop to about 89 um, so it was scaring him enough where he wanted to go um, and against probably my better judgment, I, I knew a I followed a little bit more with the protocols and um, I was more scared than he was. And um, I was telling him, you know, no, I don't think we should do it. I think we should try to hold off and keep you at home or be picking up the meds the next day. Uh, but he promised me that he would be fine. And he said, well, I, I'm not going to let them give me a, you know, put me on a vent and it ain't going to come to that. And I'm not going to uh, take remdesivir because uh, he knew about um, that shutting down kidneys. Uh, and so he just promised me, as we were in the car, um, that was some of the last words that he said to me was that I promise I'm not going to go on a vent. I'm not going to go on remdesivir, let that happen. Um, you know, I'll sign myself out if I have to. Uh, and I remember saying to him, I feel, I fear like I won't be able to get you back out, Ryan, once you go in there. It's, if, uh, I don't know if they can, you know, what's going to happen, but I just fear not being able to get you back out. Um, and he told me not to worry about it, not to be paranoid, that he would be fine. Hmm. Um, so then he went in and uh, right away, Right away within that first week, they started telling me, the doctor started telling me that they were watching his kidneys closely. And I was um, I was already asking questions like, has he been given remdesivir? Uh, and when I'd ask that question, they wouldn't answer me. They would tell me that's, that their, his chart's not in front of them. They don't have that answer in front of them. Uh, they don't know... Um, uh, they, that I would have to have a doctor talk to me. Uh, they're not available right now. They just kept giving me the runaround. Uh, but every time when I would get updates, they would tell me they were watching his kidneys closely. And this was like the end of the first week. Um, 
And I was really concerned about that. I'm like, why are they watching his kidneys? And, you know, we'd said no to this drug. <clears throat> and I had this inkling that they had given it to him. And it wasn't until going into week two uh, that I had called and I got a different nurse on the phone and I approached it differently. So I tried to pretend like I was interested in remdesivir. So when I got on the phone with her, I said, you know, I heard about this other drug. It was called, it's called remdesivir. I heard that it's a, a treatment option. Um, can, um, is there a way that we can see if my husband can get that? If he hasn't been given that already, do you know? And when I sounded more positive about it, then they had a different approach. So then they looked at his charts and said, oh, we have his charts in front of us. It says right here he got it when he first came in. So he's already wow. been given three rounds of it. And so, by day so those, I'm sorry to interrupt your, oh, your, your flow there, but um, what, were, what was going through your head when they said, well, we don't have his charts? I mean, how would a nurse not know what kind of meds he's getting? I felt uh, like they were lying to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just... They were very cold when I would call and, and talk to them um, and tell me very little information, uh, just because since he's allowed to still talk at that point, but he wasn't able to, they, they kept him on a lot of different oxygens and high flow, and um, a lot of times they kept his phone away from him. Um, but he, would, he was texting me towards the second week, and he was telling me how he was feeling better uh, and that he, his oxygen was staying at 98%. Uh, and that he was even without oxygen, had his oxygen off completely, and they had him double face mask sitting in a chair. <clears throat> um, so, because he had pneumonia, is what they told me. <clears throat> but then they later turned it into COVID pneumonia. Um, mm -hmm. So, they were putting him on that COVID protocol. And uh, when I would ask them, you know, is, what is he being given for this pneumonia? They wouldn't even answer me that because the answer was nothing that don't fit protocol. So whenever you come in with something uh, as a problem, they, they won't treat that. Once you get slapped on a COVID protocol, they don't deter from that. If it ain't protocol, yeah. <laughs> it's so, happening. So again, I've heard this before as well. So again, they're not treating this as a bacterial pneumonia. No. There's, there's nothing given to him that actually would have helped him. No. They just put them on this same same uh, COVID protocol that, that everybody else has been talking about and has been yeah. victimized by. And, yeah. and then um, they're treating you as if, you know, it sounds like they're treating you as if they just want to shut you down and not give you an honest appraisal as to what's going on with him. Yes. Yeah. And they. Good. Why? What was their justification for taking his phone away? Uh, they never really would answer. They they never never really asked. Uh, I, they never would want to cover too many answers when I was not in there yet. And it was just anything that they would tell me over the phone was very little. Um, but they did. I did get a phone call uh, the second week that he was in there. First at two in the morning from a doctor telling me that he wanted me to convince my husband to go on a ventilator. And I said I wasn't going to do that, um, that his oxygen has been fine. Uh, why would I do that? And um, they tried to tell me it was to give his body rest. Uh, and I said, when most people don't come off of the vent, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and my husband um, heard about it because I was texting uh, or writing his family and saying, hey, these doctors at 2 in the morning are telling me they want to push it, this ventilator on him. And they had told my husband that in a text message, and he says, not going to happen. Uh, he had texted me that he told the nurse that no way in heck is he going to go on an event uh, not to bring it up again. And he didn't know why that they were pushing it so hard. 
and he was telling me that he was uh, given a sedative that day um, that they said was going to help him feel better. Uh, now, that what I know now is that it was a sedative that would suppress his oxygen and drop his uh, ability to breathe on his own because he was not being compliant with their protocol. Right. Uh, so this is this is part of the protocol too that they're put these these uh, one or two drugs, usually two, that that really depress the respiration rate and the ability to breathe along with the ventilator. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is from what I've heard from other people, this is the, this is the death blow when they get you to this point, right? Yeah. 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 Cause there's no way off of it. You can't breathe on your own because you're so sedated. Uh, you're never going to be able to come off that vent. Um, so once the, I had a doctor call me, uh, it was close to like, close to four o'clock had called me and my husband texted me at that time, but the doctor didn't know that. But my husband sent me a screenshot of his oxygen was at 98% and that he was doing much better. And they were talking about putting him in a step down unit. Same time my husband's texting me that the doctor's on the phone with me telling me uh, that I needed to convince him to go on a vent when I said I wouldn't do that. He said, well, to be honest with you, we told your husband that we were going to vent him with or without his consent. And I said, well, that's illegal. And as soon as I said that, he slammed the phone down on me. And wow. then no one answered the phone for the next uh, couple hours. So I had the doctor call me back, uh, same doctor, now near so 645-ish, call me back and telling me that uh, they had vented my husband two hours ago. So right after he got off that phone with me is when he proceeded to do that. Then. What was your reaction at that point? Oh, I was mad. I was very livid because I said, well, I know that my husband's uh, oxygen level was fine. So at this time, the doctor was trying to tell me that my husband's pulse ox was at 40%, and that was why he vented him. Uh, and I was so confused because I was just talking to my husband, who was fine. Now, it wasn't until I got in there, and they let me in a week later, uh, to be able to go. now I can go on a COVID floor. Prior to that, too dangerous for me to be up on a COVID floor, even though I've had it and have antibodies to it. Uh, they would not let me come up there for liability reasons, being on mm -hmm. ICU. But once my husband can no longer speak because a vent is in his mouth, suddenly I can go there 12 hours a day instead right. of his bed. Ridiculous. Yeah. So in, I, in, in, you know, I was at the last person I had on, uh, Sarah Mitchell, when she was, mm -hmm. she was speaking about this very same thing where all of a sudden it's okay to her, for her to go on the floor and my question to her was well you're an rn you know the ppe you know what's the yeah. difference i mean this is your husband so yeah. in your in your case as well i mean it's even it seems even more flagrant to me because you know you're you're basically they basically told you well you can't come onto a covid floor mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like you said so it, I... it, so did you have you mentioned uh, he texted you at the same time the doctor was on the phone. Did you have a picture of his oxygen level? I a, do. Yep. So, so you <laughs> that is actually then would be time stamped. Yep. At the time you had the conversation, the conversation would also be easily shown on phone phone records. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much I can ask. I I don't want to ask uh, anything that's going to put you in a legal bind as far as. Uh, your case and and what's what's going on with that but um, I know that you have told me in the past um, that you have some some uh, materials and I don't know how much of that you want to share but before we do that um, so at this point it's 
Am I right in assuming that they gave him this sedative and they ventilated him when he was unable to to say no? Did they do yep. that? Uh, I was I would assume that was the case because uh, he was telling them no, and I have it in writing from him that he told me he told a nurse, "No way in heck am I going to go on this ventilator wow. not to bring it up again." Uh, so I mean he was uh, you know fine, and then talking also about the sedative being given. Uh, there he was waiting on to kick in uh you know he doesn't really know much about sedatives and even at the time i didn't even know uh that that was suppressed oxygen uh i wasn't understanding that's what they were giving him uh and then once i was able to get into the hospital i was able to collect his two phones that he had on him um he always carried a work phone and his personal phone and so i i got both his cell phones uh, from the hospital and once I was able to charge them and, and look at them, I put everything in a timeline of events because everything's time stamped then and I was able to see what he was saying to who and when and and it was he was telling everybody like my oxygen's at 98%, I'm doing better. They're talking about putting me in a step down unit, um, asking his aunt what is a step down unit and she said it means you're closer to coming home. Um, he um, said he was confused to why they were pushing the vent, that he didn't need it. He was telling them that he was feeling fine. And then you have when the doctor called me and calling me and telling me that he was going to vent him with or without his consent. And now we know, don't we, that the, this protocol, as they go along, they reach different milestones. And along the way, they get different cash bonuses, basically, for reaching this milestone. And, and um, the ventilator is one of those. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Wow. So, so yeah, at this point, you know, at this point, I don't know, I would be so livid. I don't know how you even manage this. I, I would go, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it bothers me that when I look back at it, because when I got up there and I had not seen his phones yet um, to know that that doctor was lying, what he was telling me had happened to my husband. Um uh, Ryan opened his eyes for me one time when I got up there, when I first was allowed in there and he was fighting the sedation that he was on. Uh, they had a sedation bar that I could see when the bar was uh, being, um, the numbers would drop. That meant he was mentally aware of his surroundings and fighting that sedation, uh, even though he was on the paralytic drugs, so that way his body wouldn't be able to resist the vent. Um, and so he did open his eyelids, he opened his eyes, I asked if he could squeeze my hand and he tried. I could feel his fingers slightly twitching, uh, but his hands were very swollen by this point because of his kidneys uh, shutting down and his body being filled up with fluid. Um, and then, so I noticed he had a lot of facial expressions, so I knew he could move his, his face. So I asked him if he could raise his eyebrows for me and he did. And he felt the vent with his tongue and he shook his head no. And at the time I was uh, thinking he was just confused as to what was happening to him. So I was trying to calm him down and like, you know, Ryan, you have a vent and it's helping you to breathe and and uh, trying to uh, calm him. And now I know he was telling me, no, I never consented to this vent, um, which is hard to know now. Um, and he, uh, um, I asked him if he could, I told him I loved him and I was fighting for him. And I asked him if he could raise his eyebrows, and he did. So I knew he was understanding what I was saying. And then he, after I told him I loved him, he kept raising his eyebrows again, like he was saying it back. Uh, and then as soon as I asked him, like, you know, Ryan, can I ask you some questions? I want to 
uh, ask you a few questions. Can you raise your eyebrows up for yes and down for no? And as soon as the nurse who was leaving his room heard me say that, she turned around and quickly came back to his monitor and started to up his sedation, saying that she needed to up that to get him more comfortable. And they knocked him out completely. It only takes seconds to take effect. And they never let him come off of that sedation after that. Wow. And, wow. Um, and have, was, you, have you talked to any of these people at, since he passed? Um, I do stay in touch with some of his doctors um, that were fighting for him in there. Um, but other than that, none of the other ones. I, I, I sat there and listened to nurses talk to me. And I don't know. I don't know what it was, um, why me out of everybody, but they seem to they seem to be very comfortable with me when they would talk. I don't know it's because they knew I was a little bit more informed on these protocols and what was happening, that they felt like they could open up to me. Uh, but a lot of the nurses treated me like a coworker, and they would have conversations um, as if they're venting their frustrations with the hospital, but it's still my husband who's laying there. And it was like a disconnect that that was a human life and that I was their significant other. Um, and they would tell me things like, you know, these protocols are letting these patients die. Uh, they would say things, my hands are tied and we, we would, you know, we love to give these patients something else. What we're doing isn't working. What do you mean? Uh, uh, you know, I, what do you mean your hands are tied? I mean, you're, they, you're, their you're hands are tied. They believe that they're following hospital policy. Whatever. You're an accessory to murder at that point, right? I mean, yeah. do you have some some of that content that you want to share right now? Yeah, you know, we have, um, I do have a lot of uh, audio, um, audio recordings and video recordings from my time in there because I was fearful for my husband's safety. Um, and I do have uh, nurses telling me that these protocols are letting these patients um letting these patients die, that these protocols aren't working. When I told one nurse that I felt like we were stuck in a death camp, um, that there was that, you know, they're withholding care and not letting him take what is working uh, or what could work for him. And we're, I'm just supposed to accept the fact that this isn't going to help him get better. I told her one nurse said to me that when I asked, what is he on with this protocol? I was, I'm watching his IVs and there's nothing on there that's going to be something to get him well. Uh, the only thing that's a treatment is his dialysis from his kidneys being shut down. And then they're giving him a, a low-dose steroid every 12 hours. It's less than I take for an asthma attack. Um, and I, so I said, what is he on? What's he being given that's going to help him get well? And a nurse told me, well, nothing, but it's all we're allowed to give him. And um, so then I had um, an, another, uh, well, I had them tell me that nothing that they were doing was going to help him get better. Um, and I was just supposed to accept that. And it was like they would tell it to me knowing that it's wrong what's happening. But um, it was just odd the way they would share those conversations with me without thinking that I'm listening to this about my husband. But we're going to let him die here. And you're telling me there ain't nothing I can do about it. Um, so then um, I started to uh, ask around. Oh, to see if I could get him the right treatment. So I called patient relations. I called them from patient relations and I asked her um, if there's anything in the policy that says that a doctor can't prescribe ivermectin if they feel that's going to work for the patient um, or anything outside of this protocol and she told me no that there is nothing in the policy that says that they can't and I said well all your doctors seem to be under the impression that they're letting him die because they're obeying this policy 
And I said, can I see the policy? Can I read it? Well, there is nothing to read. There's nothing to print. There's nothing to see. But everybody's obeying this policy that doesn't exist. Um, and then she told me that if I found a doctor who was Beaumont affiliated, uh, so they had to be within the system, uh, that they would allow that doctor then to give him something different and they would protect his job, his or her job. Um, so I said, okay. And I said, do I have your word on that? And she said, yes. And I said, all right, I'll, I took down her number so that if any doctors wanted to call her, they could quickly do so. And um, I started asking, calling a lot of different doctors within the system, even in other hospitals. I ended up finding a total of five doctors, well, three that are Beaumont affiliated and two from the outside that were Henry Ford doctors uh, that all supported my husband trying the ivermectin and the frontline doctors protocols. Uh, so I found one doctor in particular, which I don't reveal his name, um, just to protect his, his privacy. Sure. Uh, but I did find one doctor who was willing to, to do it. And when I told him the other doctors that were involved and supportive, he said, okay. And he made a few phone calls to confirm that and came into the room and said, you know, if this doctor's on board and the other doctor's on board, um, he said, let's do this. Let's go were, ahead and do it. Were you told that ivermectin was not an accepted drug for treatment in the COVID protocols? Uh, I did have them tell me that. I did have one doctor come and tell me at the beginning that they don't, um, wouldn't, wouldn't allow it because it wasn't FDA approved to, to treat COVID. And when I brought up that the NIH has it on right. there listed, that article, I think it's 2E or 3E, something like that, that, right. it, that it's a second drug of choice. It was uh, remdesivir, ivermectin, and a steroid. And they didn't know what to say about that. But then they said, well, it's not FDA approved to treat this COVID. And I said, so you only do drugs that are FDA, FDA approved for that reason? You don't do off-label drugs? And she said, no, which that was the first lie. And when she told me that, no, they don't use no off-label drugs, I smirked. And then I said, do you want to try saying that to me again? And this time I'll keep my face like I believe it. And she just looked at me like, you know, I was being a smart aleck. And uh, uh, then I said, well, uh, so you tell me you don't use any drugs that are not FDA approved to treat that, to treat that uh, virus. I said, but how many of you all took the COVID vaccine before it was supposedly FDA approved to right. treat COVID? And she, boy, does she not know what to say then. <laughs> so yeah, I bet. Uh, she, <laughs> she said, you're right. You're right. I, I, I agree with you there. And I said, so you're now going to pick and choose when you follow the FDA guidelines or the NIH or CDC, whichever. And I said, because the World Health, I asked her if she follows the World Health Organization. And they said, yes. And then I said, but you chose not to follow it when the World Health Organization said not to use remdesivir to treat COVID because it's more deadlier and dangerous than the virus itself. And so all of this, the ventilator, the drugs, the ivermectin, the doctor, the, the new doctor coming on board and uh, being willing to do the ivermectin treatment. I mean, mm -hmm. all of this, doesn't this have to do with, you know, all right to try and the right to make your be. own decisions? And how did they answer that question? How, how did they say that all of a sudden this patient <laughs> doesn't have the right to try? They pretended they never heard of the right to try uh, law. They all played dumb about that and pretend they didn't. They never heard of it. Um, and then um, when the doctor stepped up to, to give my husband that drug, uh, his, his theory was, well, what we're doing is not working. And he said, this is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. 
And he said, so we're just sitting there watching these patients die by giving them a low-dose steroid that won't treat anything. Um, and we're not, uh, Ryan was, you know, totally lacking in vitamin D. And uh, he said, why aren't they addressing that or and giving them things that his body needs to recover? Uh, so he put them on um, a 76 milligrams of ivermectin and then the high-dose steroids. So explain that. I mean, how did it go when this other doctor was allowed to come in and how was he treated? Um, how did that all work when, when you had that happen? Uh, not well. We, we, uh, he was definitely getting some resistance, not right away. Um, well, I guess yes, yes and no. We had, um, first the pharmacy tried to withhold it, the order that was given by the doctor. Uh, they were trying to wait for the administrators to come in and deny it to be given. Uh, and I had to contact him and he ordered it, I think around like seven o'clock at night and it was around eight o'clock and it still wasn't brought up. And I knew visiting hours ended at eight and I said I wasn't leaving until I knew that he was uh, given this. Um, and when we, uh, the nurse even tried to call down and said, you know, I'm the doctor's orders was for, for this to come up. Why isn't it here? And they said they had they're waiting on the administrators to come in and take a look at it. And the nurse said, when did that become our policy? When did we start doing that? And they didn't like that comment. Um, and I ended up calling uh, the doctor and um, telling him uh, that what the problem was. And he got the chief of staff involved and the chief of staff contacted the pharmacy and told me they had 30 minutes to bring it up and follow the doctor's orders or that he would be coming down there uh, so that I'm the one in charge. Uh, I'm the only one here because close to a holiday weekend. Um, and he said, I'm the only one here. I will, you know, don't make me come down there. Uh, so they brought it up and they didn't want to. Uh, they did get it up. He was given it around nine o'clock at night. Um, and they let me stay and they let me watch to make sure that it was being given. Um, and even I had a, um, a prior to that doctor uh, coming in when I was still looking for a doctor, I had another doctor come into his room and tell me um, his, his exact words while I'm sitting next to my husband and it was already a bad day. And I was sitting next to my husband and he comes in and says, I would love to give your husband ivermectin. I think it would help him. However, due to politics controlling our healthcare system, my hands are tied and I have to think of my livelihood and paycheck first. And that was a direct quote from one of the doctors. I remember, um, you, I remember you know, when I saw you uh, speaking at that uh, rally that we met at, um, first, of, first of all, your story was absolutely heartbreaking and it's so... I mean, my viewers are looking at me right now. I'm not, I don't always look this grumpy. It just really ticks me off and really makes my blood boil that all these Americans were forced to go through this. And these people act as if everything's okay and they did nothing wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd like to ask this nurse, hey, you got a daughter? How would you feel if the, you know, I just said, well, hey, you know, I'm going to give your daughter a date rape, date rape drug and then take her home and you know, killer. I mean, what the hell's the difference? They're putting, you know, a drug cocktail in and they, how, how do, how do they wait? You know, I don't know. You can't answer this, but how do they wake up and face a day knowing what they did to people? And, and the other thing is this, this whole protocol was worldwide, wasn't it? So this, yes. so this isn't just an American thing, is it? 
I wonder no. what the true total is of people who really were were killed for for no reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I asked uh, the respiratory. Um, I, I don't know if she was a doctor or a nurse that was in there, and I asked her um, after she had come in to do a his uh, low dose uh, breathing treatment. Um, at, when she came in, I asked her. I said, "How many of these patients who have been given remdesivir are on um, are on kidney dialysis? Because there's, you know, as you pass their rooms, you see all the kidney dialysis machines." And I said, "How many of them have been given remdesivir prior, um, and then now they're on dialysis?" And first she put her eyes down and was like, I don't know. Uh, but then as she got done and she went to go leave the room, she stopped at the doorway and looked over her shoulder and said to me, all of them, and then walked away. Wow. You know, the, the, the other thing that I do want to say is there are there are good healthcare workers. You found one in this doctor that you're talking about and his, his staff that helped you out. Um, I met a nurse, a couple nurses at this rally one of them that I talked to was talking about just trying to deal with being a nurse and having seen everything she saw, not only in the COVID protocols, but in the vaccine injections and people dropping left and right from those, yep. you know? So this, this whole thing, and the reason why I even brought all that up is because I've been calling this, I've been calling Fauci the American uh, Dr. Mengele, only he's far, far worse because he's killed a lot more people. And I do yeah. think it's on purpose. I do think oh, yeah. it's, it's just my opinion, and my opinion in your case, too, I don't want to get uh, either one of us in legal trouble, but from what I hear, my opinion is that these people are murderers, and and uh, it makes my heart bleed for, for you and all, and everyone that's going through this, you know. Um, so, so at this point, you have the doctor in who's willing to, to give ivermectin, and you got the first dose in. What happened after that point? Um, as soon as he had his first dose, uh, his blood oxygen levels um, went significantly better. Uh, he had a blood oxygen at 64% um, because now he's been on the vent a while now um, and for around week five there at the hospital. Uh, he had his blood oxygen go from 64% to 100% um, overnight. Uh, so less than 24 hours it took for that to happen. And everything started to hold its own. So for the first time, his blood pressure is normal. His his heart rate is normal. Um, everything is starting to look good. Uh, so much that the doctor who had him on a five-day course of that frontline doctor's protocol, um, that he was going to bump it to seven to 10 days, depending on how long it was going to take Brian to respond. Because by day four, Ryan was already starting to come off the vent uh, significantly. Like usually um, whenever they would try to wean the vent down with him under such heavy sedation, um, he would uh, try to double stack. They called it like over the vent. So he's trying to breathe over the vent and they would just put it right back up and it would cause his blood pressure to go haywire and his heart rate. Um, and now that he was on those drugs, everything was staying good. His, his pulse ox was yeah. 95 to 100 percent. Everything was holding its own. And he was just gradually reducing off of that vent. Um, and we had it down to around 65 percent um, by day four. And he was doing so much better that the doctor was going to extend it. Um, but then sadly, a doctor comes in 
um, to revoke that because that wasn't protocol and they weren't going to let that happen on their watch. Um, so do you think of that doctor, I remember you mentioned this when I saw you speak, do you think that doctor was told to do that? I or do. so that came, you think from the administrative level? I think so. Yep. I mean, the administrators were already pretty angry with me for even telling the other doctor off who told me he had to think of his livelihood first. Um, like as after he had said that, I told him that, you know, I wanted him this holiday to think of me sitting here beside my livelihood, uh, asking him, a doctor who took an oath to do no harm, to put my husband's life above his paycheck. And Amen. I told him her off, um, told me he was going to stand before God one day as someone who's like ending lives when they know that something else could be done and they refuse to do it. So they keep a paycheck. Um, and so uh, he... Uh, that resulted in a hospital administrator coming into the room uh, that next day with a police officer, taking me down to a back room and telling me that they don't like my attitude within the hospital, oh. that I was affecting the nurse's care. Uh, and then they tried to tell me that a nurse had seen me going into other patients' rooms, which was a safety violation. And which wasn't true, right? No, no. I remember uh, you saying that it wasn't true. So they... They, first of all, they don't give a crap that you're going through watching your husband die, basically, at their hands, and they know you know it, and then they have the guts to take you into a back room with a cop and treat you like they would treat a terrorist Yeah. when they're the real terrorists. Yep. You know, I, I hope to God, you know, the truth always comes out eventually, and the truth is already coming out, and, you know, I hope... I hope these people have long, long, long periods of time in prison to think about what they've been doing, what they did to people. And, um, man, I want to mention that you do have a page up for donations, and I want to ask people, please, uh, please do go donate. We have, you know, so many people facing this, and it's so heartbreaking. And I know that you're – how old was – Ryan at the time 41 41 so you're you're a couple and you had you know been talking uh at the rally about you know having children and and um having a family and everything else and these people took that away from you and that just when you really start to think about it it's I said this uh before on my show a couple times and that is people are so saturated with stories and media and everything else if you're watching this, you know, take a breath and really think about how this would impact you if you were in Stacy's shoes or another one of these victims' shoes. And, you know, we see things so so much and it seems like the attention span of the American people is like 30 seconds and we don't really take the time to think through the impact. And in my heart, it just absolutely breaks. It makes me so angry that I don't, I really honestly, um, I think that I don't I don't understand how something hasn't happened, how somebody hasn't done something uh, retaliatory, and I, I certainly don't want people to do that. But I, at the same time, I don't understand it because they, in my mind, <laughs> it'd be justified for for what's going on. Right. You know. So so this doctor comes in, and the doctor then basically says, no, I'm going to revoke that care. That's not part of our protocol. The doctor who had been uh, giving the ivermectin 
what was that doctor's response? Uh, he was pretty upset. They didn't tell us until uh, late at night. Actually, they never called me. None of the doctors who revoked it ever called me to talk to me to tell me anything. And I was his power of attorney. Um, they did it uh, really discreetly and uh, didn't Illegally. Yeah, they just, it was like a hit and run, and the doctor had put it in her notes uh, that had revoked it, uh, that they don't allow meds that are used at a veterinarian's clinic to be given, uh, yet the, all the sedation meds he's on, they use in veterinarian offices, and they use, like, uh, you know, morphine and all the other things that he was on. That was fine, but... Well, there is a difference between uh, vet, difference veterinary between grade and human grade, right? Exactly, and yes. And uh, the other thing is that they, all these people think that they are going to get away scot-free because of the emergency declaration. Well, got news for them. There's a Nuremberg Code, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. these people are going down as they should. Yes. You know? Um, so have you had contact with this, the doctor who was working with you since then? Yeah, I've, I've stayed in touch a little bit here and there uh, with him, um, and I do know that the hospital was giving him a lot of hard time following. Um, they they tried to have a meeting afterwards and told him that this won't be this won't happen again. Um, so they don't want him trying to save lives again in the same way. Um, and uh, you know the the ones who revoked it, you know, are definitely out to try to get him. Uh, removed from the positions that he has wow. there. They said it was unethical what he did. Um, but they find no problem with taking my husband off of a drug that's working. And, and what's so crazy is like if people want to argue like and say that they don't think ivermectin works, well, in my husband's case, it did. And there was medical proof that it was helping him. And if they're about saving lives, and um, then they would be like, okay, well, we don't get it why he's responding well to this, but he is. Let's anybody, who, anybody who believes that needs to go to Dr. Zebzelenko's website and right. read about how many people actually responded to ivermectin and the yep. percentage. It's, it's like 98%. It's yes. enormous. Yes. And, and uh, so, uh, so at this point, you were told to your face that my job is more important than, than helping your husband live. Mm -hmm. And I know that you had mentioned that you, after that point in time, you had some conversations with some of the staff there. So what kind of, what kind of things were some of the nurses saying to you after they took your husband off of the ivermectin? Um, I know one of the nurses was telling me she was confused to why they took him off of it um, because he was responding so well to it. And she said it didn't make sense why they would force him back on a protocol that is not going to help him get better. Um, she says, like, you know, if what we were doing was working, it'd be different, but it's not working. Why are we forcing him back onto something that, you know, we've done all we can and he's just going to die from this? Um, they, uh, I had nurses like handing me like documents of ivermectin working and even gate printed wow. it. They did it on their own time and printed it and told me if any doctors had given me any hard times about getting it to show that to them that they were credible research documents. Um, so we had the craziest thing was I just had so much support in that hospital that most people don't ever get at all. Um, you know, I had nurses surrounding me telling me that I needed to fight this and to, um, to, uh, you know pushed to get that drug for him and then they supported the doctor who wrote it up and told him that they had his back in this um even the chief medical officer had the doctor's back in that so if, the, if that 
the question that begs to be asked is if they have the time to go and print this document off or these documents off and give them to you and say to you, well, you present this, I mean, why didn't they do that? I know. Yeah. I think did, they're, did everyone's looking for their own job. I didn't think to ask them that, yeah, but, I bet. but I mean, yeah, a lot of them are just, very, I just don't know how anyone can even have that job at all, uh, knowing that they're letting people die. Um, just wow. my husband basically had to be sacrificed for them to have a paycheck to go on vaca family vacations and whatever it is that they do, keep a roof over their head. Well, now I struggle to keep mine. Um, right. And like, you and your husband, were, you and your husband were both uh, business owners. You each, you each had a business. And I know uh, we talked beforehand before I clicked the old record button here that, of course, his income is gone now and yours was affected because of COVID lockdowns. And you happen to live in one of the states with one of the worst governors ever in history. Yeah. And we could all we could do another show or ten shows on how many victims she was responsible for in the nursing homes. Yeah. But um, no, no, you know, no, uh, no uh, responsibility, no consequences, what whatsoever for anybody that we're talking about so far in this stuff. So. Yep. Yeah, my husband's health started to decline once they revoked it. Mm -hmm. um, but the next day, he was already starting to go back up to needing the vent 100%, and everything was going back to how it was. Um, and then I come in one day and found him sweating profusely, and I knew something was wrong, and the nurse that was working with him was uh, very cold and didn't really want to tell me what was happening. Uh, and I could see his oxygen dropping. Mm -hmm. Everything always changed, you know, when I wasn't there. Just like most people say, as right. soon as you leave, things go bad. Uh, so um, when I wasn't getting any answers as to why his oxygen was starting to drop into the low 80s, now going to the 70s, I got on the phone with that same doctor who who ordered the ivermectin, and I told him what the symptoms were and what he was, what I was seeing, and he knew right away he was going through a cytokine storm. And he told the nurse that, and the nurse didn't know what that was. Um, Explain <laughs> and, that briefly for people. Uh, cytokine storms, basically the body just starts to attack itself. Um, you're, it'll almost like how uh, chemo will do to a patient when all your, it'll start attacking your good cells, everything. It's just overcome, right. and uh, your, your body will just start to become its own worst enemy inside. So it just... Uh, Everything was starting to shut down. It was starting to cause his body to shut down. Um, and this is this is due probably to the remdesivir. Is that what? Right. The, the, so yeah, yeah. So the remdesivir, the history of remdesivir for anybody who's watching who doesn't know is 53% fatality rate. And this is the drug of choice over a Nobel Prize-winning 65-year-old drug called ivermectin that has no real side effects. And if you the uh, the document you referenced from was it the NIH? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, NIH. So, so that one, if you, I, I have seen that document, and you look at the uh, the side effects, and the remdesivir is off the charts, which again mm -hmm. it killed 53% of the people in trial, and the ivermectin has like what very very minor very, a couple, you know, it's yep. it's not even a, a long list yet, because they get 33 grand to put someone on a uh, ventilator and they get mm -hmm. payments for putting people on this drug and the vaccines of course and all this is all tied together and guess who is in, involved and has the patents for some of this stuff 
It's Fauci. It's Fauci, the American Mengele, the guy yeah. who needs to go to jail for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so cover the cover, and if you don't want to, you don't have to, but cover the last days, if you would, and just uh, share what you would like to share about that. Um, so yeah, so after his, um, after they knew he was going through a cytokine storm, the doctor went ahead and tried the same. Uh, protocol again for my husband to try to save him. He had told the nurse that, you know, if we don't do something drastic tonight, we're going to lose Ryan tonight. And so he put him on a higher dose steroid that was nine times the strength of anything he was on. Told me he should have been on a proper steroid from the very beginning, that we wouldn't be here in this situation had he been given the right treatments. Um, and uh, he, um, he told me he was in God's hands because it was it was real serious. I stayed there all night. They let me stay with him because we didn't know if we were going to lose him that night. I stayed there with him and I stayed 17 hours by his bedside. And after he was uh, put back on to what was working, uh, he, he made it through it. He somehow came through that and his oxygen got back up in the upper 90s. Um, and he was, he, uh, all the sweating and the body fluid coming out of every crevice, all that stopped. Um, then uh, once I felt like he was safe, I made the bad call to leave for a few hours to go feed my pets. And I said, I'm going to just leave for two or three hours, go back and uh, feed my pets real quick and I'll come back. And in that time, um, another doctor from the ICU had revoked the steroid cold turkey because it's not protocol. This is and, a different doctor than the one that revoked the yep. ivermectin. Okay, so yep. now we have another cast member here. Yep, another one. And they told me that they uh, were revoking it because it's not protocol and they weren't going to affect their paycheck um, and their job. Uh, they to- He told the good doctor fighting for him that that's not your patient. Uh, so he said that he was going to revoke it. When the good doctor warned him that if you take him off of this, that you will kill him. He said that the doctor just shrugged his shoulders and said that's not your patient, so not to worry about it. Um, so he, he uh, forced the uh, steroid to be removed um, and my husband started to decline pretty quickly. I got on the, um, got contacted the chief of staff and I told the chief of staff there that I wanted that doctor removed from my husband's care effective immediately, that I did not feel safe for him to be there, uh, not to even let this guy in my husband's room that I fear for my husband's life. Uh, and they got that doctor to concede off my husband's case. And then what I didn't know <clears throat> at the time until after everything happened, um, But the chief of staff went a step further and put the good doctor ahead of ICU starting that Monday so that it would be his team and his protocol to treat my husband as a last ditch effort to save my husband against the hospital and to save my husband against the resistance of his survival. Um, So I don't, of course, I don't know what was in the chief of staff's mind at that time. But to me, that says I knew better the first time I did it. Right. Is Is that how you felt? I think he, he knew by talking to that doctor that what was working for Ryan in this hospital is revoking that. Um, I think it was his way to um, to try to, like, I guess, maybe feel like he was doing the right thing. Like, okay, I'll put this doctor as head of ICU and see if we can save Ryan that way. Because um, when I 
I got the call in the middle of the night, um, uh, Sunday night into Monday morning. It was somewhere, I think, around 3 in the morning. I get a call, and it was actually the good doctor who called me. It wasn't even any of the, what they call consider his primary doctors there at the hospital. None of them had ever talked to me, ever. Like, I think I talked to five doctors um, in the two months that my husband was there, and they never even made an effort to reach out to me, hardly at all. Um, but that doctor was always quick. The good doctor that was fighting for him was quick to answer the phone or return phone calls if I would, I would even text him if I thought maybe he might have been busy with a patient of his. Um, and always real quick, no matter what, to answer my questions. He was the one that made the call at three in the morning and said, you need to get down here. I think we are losing Ryan. And I got a feeling, though I don't, I can't confirm, it's just my opinion, but I think he went in early that day because he feared for Ryan's life in the hands of that hospital and what they might pull before he got there. Um, just because of me getting that call at the hour I did. And uh, I get over there in the hospital and I seen all these new people working on Ryan. And they were trying to do an emergency prone because his oxygen just on the pulse ox meter was in the like going into the 50s. And um, and they told me that his blood oxygen level was like in the 40s. Uh, so they they were doing an emergency prone. Uh, so they flipped him on his stomach because sometimes he responded well to that in the past. And he wasn't. He was getting worse. So they had to flip him back on his back. And um, they were trying to uh, keep him hanging on, but everything was starting, they had a maxed, <coughs> they had a maxed out on everything that Sunday night, and looking at his medical records now, I, I seen how much they had maxed him out on morphine and propofol and, um, yeah, all the, the very drugs that slow his respiration, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. they had him maxed out on everything, um, upped everything that he was on, including all pain meds while heavily sedated. Why does a person on, on sedation, like they're going into surgery, need heavy pain meds like fentanyl? Um, so they, they knew what they were doing, I, is my opinion, uh, very strong opinion, and I think the opinion of other doctors, too, um, that they... Well, I'm no doctor, but... I mean... They I, out so that he wouldn't go into the hands of that doctor who was going to potentially save his life. So they knew their, their hour of... Uh, finishing it off was was right there at Sunday night. So funny enough, that's the time when his, you know, medicine list went from not too much to a whole bunch of it, you know, rapidly. Um, and when I got there, I seen new doctors working on him and it frightened me because I didn't know who they were. And one of the doctors came up to me and told me that he was with uh, the team of the good doctor. And he said, I'm on his team. I want you to know that I'm on team Ryan and I support everything that good doctor has done up to this point. Um, and that I'm on your side on this. So he was actually assuring me that he was fighting for my husband's survival and not part of the hospital team uh, on the side of just obeying protocol. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was his way to give me some comfort because he, I think he could see it in my face. I was really frightened. Um, and I remember I looked at the nurse who had first given my husband the ivermectin. That was one of the, really the one nailed nurse that was there that I trusted my husband's uh, safety with. And I talked to that nurse. I looked at that nurse, made eye contact as if I was looking for a reassurance from what that doctor was telling me. And he gave me like a nod, like, yes. Um, and so I, uh, I knew, I knew it looked didn't look good when I was there. 
I knew my husband didn't. He looked worse than he's ever has. Um, I could see his nail color changing and his skin color changing, so I knew I was losing him. But I was trying not to tell myself that. And the good doctor came in and sat with us and told me that um, we could do CPR like Ryan wanted if he was to... Uh, when, when his heart does stop because his heart was racing. They couldn't get his heart rate under control. Uh, and they told me that, uh, the doctor had told me that we could do CPR if we wanted to, but we would just be prolonging his, uh, his death and not his life. Um, and that doctor actually sat and cried with us, feeling so bad that he couldn't save Ryan. Uh, saying that the resistance in that hospital runs very deep and it's much deeper than what he can even see. Um, and that uh, he was so sorry that, that, that there was so much resistance in his survival. And that he said if he would have been given the right meds at the start that we wouldn't have been here. That we wouldn't have been in that situation we were in. Um, if he would have been given the right meds, he would have been sent home the same day. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, He's just needed a proper steroid even, and that's really all he needed, and they they, re, they would not allow him to have that. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've heard so many of these stories, and there's so many common elements, like, you know, you get the ivermectin, the oxygen level goes right back up, and, you know, there's no reason to keep somebody that's, you know, got, like, scoring a 98, right? I mean... Right. So... So, first of all, your story is absolutely heartbreaking, Um I want to share some of the, the media that you have, some of the recordings that you have and stuff. And um, I also want to say that it's not too late. If you're one of these people that was part of this, the staff and you're listening to this and you, you have the true story from, from your perspective as, as to what happened and that can support this. I mean, come forward. Right. And, and the, there's more and more victims every day. It's not done yet. No. And I don't know how, I, I guess, I just can't imagine. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't put myself in those shoes. I wouldn't, I would, I would speak up. <laughs> it's just the way I am, you know? And, and uh, the other thing, folks, the, for the viewers, um, you know, when you see somebody on TV and you watch true crime, for example, and you always have, a spouse or a mother or a father, you know, saying, you know, you don't get over this. There's no closure. There's this impacts your life for the rest of your life. And, 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 uh, it takes a lot to be able to continue. You don't, you don't ever get over it. It takes a lot just to continue. And when you step back and you, you think about all the, the impacts, all the different impacts and, um, you know, of this experience, I'm sure that you have everybody's support who's watching this and i ask that they pray for you and your family uh and friends and uh, again to have them go to gifts and go and, and give give towards uh your your cause here now and there's going to be a, a long period of time that's just going to keep this thing open and and um you know you're pursuing the legal avenues and everything else. Um, it's my hope that you have a good network to support you. And um, also I'll say is, as I've said to, to other guests on the show is, 
once you're on my show, you're a friend and, you know, I'm here to do whatever I can for you. And I, and I do, uh, you know, I do this for the right reasons. I'm not concerned about making money. I, I, I am sincere when I say that. So if you need anything and we can be of help, um, I know we're going to be working on a, on a document, uh, the documentary of, uh, of this uh, occurrence and this whole nationwide experience. So I thank you for, for uh, coming on and for being brave and, and courageous and standing up and telling the truth. And again, I encourage those people to come forward who were involved in this situation and tell the truth and hold people accountable the way they should be. Uh, make the right decision may not be an easy one, but what yes. would you, what would you like to say uh, in closing? Um, I think we, we definitely need more people to come forward. If anyone has like their loved one in a hospital, I would strongly suggest to, if your state allows you to, to like have uh, recordings, document everything that you can when you're in there. Um, and then uh, nurses, doctors, same thing. They should be doing the same thing. You know, look up your state laws, see where, where you stand with that. But you need to be able to start being whistleblowers because you took an oath of do no harm. And my life is forever changed because of this. You know, I, I, I have no joy. I don't wake up and look forward to anything. I'm just simply existing. And you took an oath to do no harm and you need to hold true to that or you're going to be, I mean, no matter what, you'll be held accountable one day, not, if not in this life and the next. Um, but we need that. Do you remember what you took your oath for? And so we need you to come and be whistleblowers. Um, start documenting everything, getting it on tape and start exposing this if we're ever going to go back to the art of saving lives because you know what you're doing is not working and evil only continues to happen when good people stay silent. Amen. That's very well said. Stacy. thanks for, for telling your story and being willing to share it, as I said. And um, we will be working together for for this cause in the future. And the, the documentary I mentioned is, is going to be uh, called High Treason. Uh, you decide. Uh, you know, every, in the United States, I would say everybody is innocent until proven guilty. But the, the purpose of the documentary is to, to cover several different topics, COVID being one of them. And um, we will be talking about, you know, what to what extent uh, these these criminal acts are criminal. Is it is it treason and at what level? And, and uh, you know, so if you're a viewer, uh, hold tight for that because that's coming in the future. And we'll, we'll be here, as I said, if you want to come back and update us. Um, that'd be great too. So okay. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. But So there's Stacy's case. And I think that, uh, you know, I'd like to re reiterate that if you are a physician involved in this case or a nurse involved in this case, and you'd like to come on and you'd like to share your perspective, um, I would welcome you. And, you know, my opinions, uh, viewpoints, you know, you can obviously tell. Um, I said that you know, um, people their their beliefs are shaped by their experiences and the stories that I've heard so far. And if you remember, if you go back on uh, in my episodes, I had in episode 58, I had Scott Sharon talk about his daughter Grace, 
who who actually was put on a DNR against the family's wishes and against uh, the person who had the power of attorney, which was her mother. You can go back and you can find out about that. So um, for those of you that are really skeptical about, uh, you know, the people like me or anyone else, any of these victims talking about, you know, um, the medical uh, reasoning behind the protocols, you know, I would point you to my episode 67 with Dr. Richard Fleming, and he is by far more qualified than most people, I would say. And you can watch this this episode and decide for yourselves. But that is uh, that is also available now. This last week, if you didn't see it, I have the first part to this uh, two-part episode, which. I had Sarah Mitchell on again, similar story. Um, again, you know, there's a lot, it seems to be a lot of tie in between uh, the COVID protocol and the payoffs from Big Pharma and uh, what they do or do not do or are willing to do. Um, and we seem to find the same result. And all you got to do is look online for it. I mean, there's a lot more cases here than than uh, what I've covered, obviously, and there's a lot of people that are covering these different cases. So if you haven't seen very much of it, it's because you're not looking and because the mainstream media, of course, won't share it. Now, all these episodes are put together under a series that I have. So here's your series. Um, it's on Frank's speech. This episode will be added uh, to the series as soon as it is uploaded. Uh, so again, if you don't have an account, you can get an account on Frank's speech. And you can watch this whole series on there. You can also just pick and play also on Roku and of course on the main social media or uh, media channels. So check that out. Appreciate it very much. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with um, the evidence that uh, Stacy provided me and the video of um, the medical professionals that she was referencing in that interview. We'll be right back with that can help us all out, all patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you, and God bless.
Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. And we're back, so I am going to go into the the uh, videos that I was sent, and I have watched them. Questions I want you to be, you know, asking yourself and looking for within this. Um, first of all, do you feel that the words of these nurses actually uh, rise to the point where they knew that the care wasn't as good as it could have been, that they felt in my opinion, they're working in a hostile work environment. See if you can see why I might say that. And um, really, in your opinion, does it meet the threshold of evidence? And of course, nobody was in the room or in the brains of of people and you know directly knowledgeable of their motives. Um, but I think that when you watch these, you will definitely see that you know. It, <laughs> It takes some it takes some common sense I guess is how I'll put it but uh, take a look and let me know in the comments of what you think about the whole episode in its entirety or any points you'd like to single out appreciate your feedback you say it that way and so they're telling you like the worst case but yeah. we're not in that situation right yeah. now and they weren't too happy <laughs> it's really how we've been struggling with these doctors they're not doing not all of them but they're not, and they're leaving us to talk to the families, and mm -hmm. they know that we can't, there's a lot of things we're not even allowed to say mm -hmm. out of our scope of practice. Yeah. And then the families are getting upset at us because, you know, what are you guys doing that? And it's like, exactly, the doctors need to come talk to you. Yeah. And do things, and you know. Well, like I asked one nurse not just earlier this week, I said, what is it that you're giving him here that's helping him get off of that vent? And she said, there's nothing. There's nothing that they can give that's going to help them get off that. And I said, okay, so your protocols that you follow are doing nothing to help the patient, but you're not allowed to give them anything else because nothing is the best option. Am I understanding this right? Yeah, you know, you're right. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. I'm going to see what I can do um, to help you a little bit, at least to try to get some somebody you can talk to about what if you bring in his home med and mm -hmm. give it to him as a home medication yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. and if you got it filled and you brought it in brought it to the pharmacy and then we dispense it as you know given as mm -hmm. however we're supposed to give it as part of his his, med, his home meds mm -hmm. I wonder if, um, would they even allow me to do that? Would they allow me to give it some throat feeding tube? Um, if we had, like, like the law and, like, involved, like, ethics and everybody, mm -hmm. and we had to put things in place where they would be afraid of liability or something, right. absolutely. But I've heard of some places doing that, they you know, could, yeah. where if you were able to give, like, over something that was over the counter uh, that they take from home, that they were able then to go and give it themselves, so... I yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I don't think it's impossible. I think that if you just got the right paperwork in place, okay. anything's possible, right? right? It's possible. But even if they could just put it under his home med and just shut up and put it under his home med, we will give it to him. Okay. Simple as that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they were afraid that 
if they were to order it and give it and the, from the beginning, but and they know that you have the prescription, right? Yeah. See, so the fact that somebody didn't say, well, if you have it filled, then bring it in, you know? Yeah. I'm sure they're, you know, there's they've got guidelines, but if it's a home medication, you cannot deny him his home medication. Yes, I would think so. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to fight for you guys. I am going to fight for you guys. As much as I can fight. Yeah, because I would think there would have to be something. It's like, exactly, the doctors need to come talk to you. Yeah. And do things, and you know. Well, like I asked one nurse not just earlier this week, I said, what is it that you're giving him here that's helping him get off of that vent? And she said, there's nothing. There's nothing that they can give that's going to help him get off that. And I said, okay, so your protocols that you follow are doing nothing to help the patient, but you're not allowed to give them anything else because nothing is the best option. Am I understanding this right? Yeah, you know, you're right. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. I'm going to see what I can do um, to help too a little bit, at least try to get some somebody you can talk to about what if you bring in his home med and mm -hmm. give it to him as a home medication. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you got it filled and you brought it in, brought it to the pharmacy, and then we dispense it as, you know, given, as mm -hmm. however we're supposed to give it, as part of his, his, med, his home meds. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, um, would they even allow me to do that? Would they allow me to give it some throat feeding tube? Um, if we had, like like the law and like involved like ethics and everybody mm -hmm. and we had to put things in place where they would be afraid of liability or something right. absolutely because i've heard of some places doing that they you could, know yeah where mm -hmm. if you were able to give like over something that was over the counter uh that they take from home that they were able then to go and give it themselves so I thought, yeah well, i mean i haven't seen it but i don't think it's impossible i think that if you just got the right paperwork in place yeah. anything's possible right right it's possible but even if they could just put it under his home med and just shut up and put it under his home med, we will give it to him. Okay. Simple as that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they were afraid that if they were to order it and give it and the, from the beginning, but and they know that you have the prescription, right? Yeah. See, so the fact that somebody didn't say, well, if you have it filled and bring it in, you know? Yeah. I'm sure they're, you know, there's, they've got guidelines, but... If it's a home medication, you cannot deny him his home medication. Yes, I would think so. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to fight for you guys. I am going to fight for you guys as much as I can fight. Yeah, because I would think there would have to be something in a uh, patient's rights, you know? Isn't there something in the patient's rights where they'd be allowed legally to take their own medication? There is, and you are next of kin, yeah. so you're making the decisions for him when he can't. Right. So you are his eyes, ears, mouth, knowledge, everything. So we would have to, technically, yeah, we would have to do everything in our power that you guys want. And to me, that's a big one. If that's yes. going to save his life, why wouldn't you want to save his life? Right. And if it doesn't change anything, it's not, no gonna, better off. it's not going to yeah. hurt him. Right, exactly. It's, it, it's not going to do nothing or it's going to do something. Right, exactly. Why wouldn't you? Stacy, I'm going to get 
<laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I, I keep telling myself yes, I'm not, not getting as mean as I want to be because I don't want to be kicked out of my school. I know, I know. <laughs> really, if you need to shut the doors for the cry or whatever, yeah. I will do it with you. I most of us know that yeah. the frustration can take it out on us, but we, we know it's not personal. Right. And we want to see these people do well. We do. I mean, we're, we're sick of this. We want to see some progress you know oh, yes but i am definitely gonna see what i can do okay. even if it's calling ethics okay on your own because ethics will uh step in do they have like an ethics group that's outside of the hospital that would ever step in they might. they might have more of a pull yeah
Have you ever had anybody um, fight the hospital in court and win for that? Um, not yet. Not yet. Um, I do know, actually, I do know that there's a few people, and the way you are right now, mm -hmm. they're fighting for their loved ones to get the ivermectin. I had heard it was from 17. Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, that I don't know because I have, I don't work here all the time. Mm -hmm. I fooled around. That's why I got to know him because I was over there and then I come here and, you know, um, and I don't know when it was or whatever. At 17, it could, you know, yeah. like I said, I was I hoping to run into them, but I never saw anybody coming out that way. But yeah, mm -hmm. I thought, man, I'm not really sure. It could be. Okay. Um, but I just know that I've heard that there's a few families. I didn't realize you guys were one of them, though. <laughs> now that we're talking, not that you guys are like, you know, yeah. trying to sue anybody or anything. You're just trying to get the right thing for your husband. And and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't blame you one bit. You're not at fault. You're doing the right thing. Oh yeah. In my eyes, you're doing the right thing. Somebody's life's on the line, and that's all they have as an option. You know, you're gonna try it. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt to try anything. We don't give up. We should. There's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a way we can get this. I don't. I, I just. I have a hard time with politics too. Yes. And yeah. you know, all most of us nurses and staff were all about what the patient needs. Yeah. We we don't care about the politics because we already have our own issues with politics. And politics. What one person had told me, they said it was because um, it's not a FDA approved for the COVID protocol. Well, he's not COVID anymore. Right. So why aren't we just treating him like a regular patient? And when we asked, do you ever use um, off-label drugs for other things? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't answer that, mm -hmm. which I know that's a yes, they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do. And so they, and they said, well, it's, um, uh, they said it would have to be, you know, the FDA Pro Treatment Protocol. But if we want to be technical, the NIH.gov mm -hmm. Article 2E lists um, remdesivir as the first thing of choice for treating it. Ivermectin, second, and third was a steroid of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so when I mentioned that, they said, well, but it's not FDA approved. I said, neither is remdesivir, but you use that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, quiet. <laughs> so, I mean, how can, you, you. how can you choose one and it's not the other? You know, it's, it's either it, don't do it or oh, you, you do it off. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Oh, God. I know. It, this, is, this is frustrating. So then I said, well, we sometimes go by the CDC and other things, what they say. And I asked, well, do you go by the World Health Organization? And they paused. And then they said, well, yeah. And I said, well, then, okay. Well, the World Health Organization warns not to give them remdesivir because it's more fatal than the virus itself. Yet here we are. And I said, why was that okay? But you won't use ivermectin that has, like, the risk of, what, diarrhea, headache, maybe a fever of two? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd take that over this, you know, any old time. Absolutely. Hmm. I'm just wondering what their fight back is. Is it because maybe that's secure? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've been doing this two years. I have seen things, and I am just sick of it. We need we need some answers, and why aren't we trying? Yeah. So I'm right yeah. with you 100%. I, I took it when I was sick, and I got better right away. My mom had it. And she was really sick, real sick, like almost at the level he is. And I thought she was like two days away from the ER. And I thought, oh my gosh, another nightmare and another one with protocols. It came in in time. We put her on it. By day two, such a big turnaround. I mean, she went from no voice at all, could barely talk mm -hmm. and catch her breath, to day two sounding like perfectly normal. 
And I was just like, are you kidding me? The only thing she still had was her cough lingering, but she said she could breathe now. Everything was starting to open back up. And so I said, okay, well, now we uh, got something a little bit better here. Let's keep you on it. And she had to take eight, her case, she was 18 milligrams for five days. Uh, and then once a week after that for like two more weeks. And uh, by day five, she swear nothing was ever wrong with her. And you're in contact with the doctor that prescribed this. I and am. He's kind of giving you like statistics of what he's seeing. Yep. And so, so like I mean, 90 percent recovery rate. Ninety percent. How can anyone deny that? It just makes me crazy. Yeah, and he has uh, too much to live for. And me and him are high school sweethearts. We go. Uh, what high school did you go to? Light Life Christian. Okay. So we met in a private Christian school, and I met him at age 15. So we've been together a long yeah. time, 25 years together. Mm. Mary. I'm wondering if the way you can get around it to get it mm -hmm. is just that, bringing in his home meds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you say, here's his home meds, I don't know who I could talk to about this. I mean, literally, it's and the difference of a life and death for him, honestly. Yeah. This is it. I mean, this is his chance. I think he should have, like, the right to to try this for him. And if it has that 90% turnaround, like the doctor I spoke to said that, that you'll see the biggest change in just 24 hours of having mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then he says by day two, you'll see even bigger. And it's like the first, there's a story of a guy who came from Hong Kong and went to Chicago to visit his granddaughter, got COVID, was in the hospital in Chicago. Um, was on, you know, death's doorstep, nothing else they could really do, was on vent 100%, um, and his wife was a doctor, and his wife pushed for that ivermectin, the hospital wouldn't do it, they had to go to court, they, you know, went through the attorneys, the judge overruled and told the hospital they'd have to give it, they gave it to him, and by day three, he pulled out his own ventilator, because he woke up that much, and was able to breathe on his own, and didn't know what was in his throat, so yes, yeah, right. which is not good either, but. See, I just have a hard time with, if they know it works, why wouldn't you try? But I'm wondering, I, I'm wondering if the loophole is, well, they're not going to order it, but if he has but a I prescription, mm -hmm. and it's a home med, mm -hmm. maybe it will fall under there. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can to kind of help you. I'm sure you've done probably everything. Sounds like you've got, you know, all your yeah. numbers together <laughs> yeah. and, and whatever. I'm wondering if, I don't even know if ethics got involved because we have ethics mm -hmm. in our, you know, when there's ethics decisions being made, usually it's the doctors say hospice and family says no. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's nothing else we can do, but there's ethics are for all different reasons. Right. There's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a way we can get this. I don't. I, I just. I have a hard time with politics too. Yes. And yeah. you know, all most of us nurses and staff were all about what the patient needs. Yeah. We, we don't care about the politics because we already have our own issues with politics. And politics. what one person had told me, they said it was because um, it's not a. FDA approved for the COVID protocol. Well, he's not COVID anymore. Right. So why aren't we just treating him like a regular patient? And when we asked, do you ever use um, off-label drugs for other things? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't answer that, which I know that's a yes, they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do. And so then they said, well, it's, um, uh, they said it would have to be 
you know, the FDA approved treatment protocol, but if we want to be technical, the NIH.gov article 2E lists um, remdesivir as the first thing of choice for treating it, ivermectin second, and third was a steroid of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so when I mentioned that, they said, well, but it's not FDA approved. I said, neither is remdesivir, but you use that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, quiet. <laughs> So, I mean, how can, you, you. how can you choose one and it's not the other, you know, it's, it's either don't do it or, or you, you do it all. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Oh, I know. It, this, is, this is frustrating. So then I said, well, we sometimes go by the CDC and other things, what they say. And I asked, well, do you go by the World Health Organization? And they paused. And then they said, well, yeah. And I said, well, then, okay. Well, the World Health Organization warns not to give them remdesivir because it's more fatal than the virus itself. Yet here we are. And I said, why was that okay? But you won't use ivermectin that has, like, risk of, what, diarrhea, headache, maybe a fever or two? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'd take that over this, <laughs> you know, any old time. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's the first part. That's the first interview. And, yes, I know that there's a little bit of uh, the repeat in there, but I think that it drives the point home more. And I will... Uh, show you the second part here and you you guys obviously you make up your own minds i think though that you can tell by the conversation that i just showed you it was an uh, a calm open exchange there you know was uh seemingly agreement on the part of the the nurse that uh, stacy was talking to and uh, like i said you can judge for yourself but in my mind uh, it, you know that was quite obvious here's the second video Crazy. Yes, and so they, like his readings from Sunday, what was it I had? It was crazy different. Um, let's see. That's my, and then, well, it's funny, like they were trying to say, oh, well, the, the medicine is animal grade. It's not animal grade. I even had the pharmacy print up a form showing that it's human grade. It's like, they were even like, what are they talking about? And, um, and I know, like, you know, certain things are animal grade, but not everything. And, right. You know, there's obviously different types of different meds that are animal. You know what I mean? Like right. We, so say that one is, you know, they don't know what. It's right. completely. I'm just gonna suction them. <laughs> no. Problem. He just has so much secretions. There's no reason to come in here and just pull them out. <laughs> yeah. Big suction again, sweet pea. <laughs> Did you hear back from the ID? Did they call you yet? They never not? even called me. They didn't even tell me they were going to do that. They did it all in I secret. Jerry told the resident to page them and have yeah. their number. So that, I was here. I just got here and she was talking about that. So hopefully they'll either call you. With it being a holiday, I wonder if they went, if he went home earlier or not today. He might have, yeah. I don't know if he'll be back tomorrow. I don't know when you'll hear back from them. Yeah, I know. They did all that to it without even telling anyone. It was just See, like I, a, that's why I don't understand, like, how they just, they just stop it without telling anybody. Because I feel like they should at least tell Dr. He was the one that approved the medication. Yeah. So he could give in. And he was going to extend and, it because he was doing so well. Yeah, because so. he, he put himself on the case. Yeah. You know, he's one of our trauma doctors. So he doesn't even deal with the ICC. So he extended his neck to even go on this case to, yeah. you know, help out. And then... <laughs> Right. And it gets bitten in the butt because they just unstop it on him. Right. So I felt bad. Yeah, his blood cast on Sunday before we started everything, his PO2 is 61. And then two days on it, it was um, 
112. It jumped that high. And then his oxyhemoglobin was 85 before we started, two days on it, and went to 94. Uh, and then he eventually had his uh, blood gas was uh, up in the, was at 100% after the third dose. And he was able to go down quite a bit, like to 75, yeah. I think it was. So, so he was doing good on Yeah. It. And then they just came in and said, nope, no more. It's our turf. We don't want it. And then he even looked to see if he was doing better or anything. That just did it. I don't know how, because like it was approved. You're already giving it with the farm now. Because like he's been here for how long? What's the yeah. farm in right now? You're trying something new. Right. There's no harm in it, so. Yeah, because they said it wouldn't hurt him. They knew that. And they just didn't want him to have it. It was just a, like a power trip. And it's like, this is a human life. Yeah. There's no power tripping with human lives. Well, and he's not, you know, you know, he's not, like, he's saying, like, he's deteriorating at yeah. all. So, you know, that, you know, and then he's, but he's not, like, you know, doing big improvement where we can get him down on the SIO to right. get him stable enough, you know, to potentially go for tracheotype. Yeah. So it's like, what are we, you know, doing? Like, if this was kind of helping. Yeah, it was showing up positives. Yeah, like, yeah why didn't we just keep it on just to see? What yep. was the hurt in it? There's no right. hurt in trying something that, Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. I don't. It's really, really sad. I'm praying that there's somebody like above them <laughs> that'll actually like uh. Yeah, I'm not overrule even, that. You know, I don't even. If you, I honestly I think it would have to be. Cause so I, cause he is the head of ID, so there has to be someone right above him. Cause it's usually like a med control, you know, mm -hmm. for the whole hospital, like. Yeah. And the counties are in, so there has to be somebody ahead of them that. Chief of medicine yeah. or something. That can just overrule whatever. Because, I mean, he was already getting, there's no harm in continuing it. He no. felt like it was, if it, if it was making him worse, I would right. understand. Obviously. Like, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> if it wasn't making him worse, what's the harm? Right. Yes, and I'll take any kind of ink every day and yeah. improvement and exactly. so putting him in the right direction. We've been fighting this battle now for a while, so let's just, you know, let's try something, you know? Yeah, it's almost like they're afraid it'll work. <laughs> oh. Right, yeah, they're almost, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. I'm just going to try to let this rock run out a little bit more. Because okay. they had it timed so it was going to run out in like five minutes, but there's still a lot in it. So I'm going to try to let it run out a little bit more before I change the bag. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Get down the heck. <laughs> Did him up a little bit more. Try to see if I can Disconnects, you'd be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna do it. I'm gonna try to fix this a little bit. He may have, because now he's going down 86. So he may have to go back up on his auction to 90. I don't know, he's kind of just bouncing all around like 86, yeah. 90. He was at 91 a second ago. Yeah, so I don't know what his problem is. He, he's mad now, probably. <laughs> he did that suction thing. <laughs> that was what it is. Man. <laughs> you don't like that spit sucker thing. 
removed and we didn't need them. No, I wonder if that would avoid them. Disease, doctor, the case, and mm -hmm. that's why the head got involved. Oh. Um, because she had removed herself from the case completely. Was that Dr. Us, maybe? Yeah, she removed her case from the, this, huh. herself from the case completely. Maybe she I'm felt a little sure. guilty for what she's done. <laughs> I'm not sure she was trying to sign off. Interesting. Because then that's why he came down. And Jerry's seen him coming, and she was a little nervous, because you know when you see him coming, you're like, okay, what's going on now? Yeah. Because he never, well, he, you know, he rarely comes and sees anybody, you know. Right. You're like, oh no, who's in trouble now? <laughs> yeah. Because I know there was, um, what was his name? I don't know. I have a try hard time with that name. Um, I know that one, but I don't know who the other one was that came in. Right. And so sometimes they might hide notes that way. 
But you should be able to have access to his chart, and you should be able to read all these notes and everything that okay. people are posting. Um, and then you can see all of his um, um, daily um, labs and stuff as well. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Has he? Is he usually? Had he seen oh. before? Mm, I believe so. I believe he has. Um, he should have had something maybe sent to him at one point where, because you can just, if you just Google, um, I want to say like, you know, sign in for patient chart or whatever, because mm -hmm. you can access your chart at home. Most hospitals allow you to do that nowadays. I'm not sure how you go about getting the login stuff with him. Um, okay. You might have to go bait, like, go through some old like, documents and stuff and see because um, they might have sent you guys something at some point or mm -hmm. call up here and ask them how to do it or something. I'm not quite okay. sure, but I know you can access the chart. Okay. okay. Families do access the charts here all the time, so. I'm trying to do that. <laughs> and then you can see most of these notes. But it just looks like um, pretty much what said is that he was made aware by Dr. of the administration of ivermectin. Okay. And then that they talked about extensively with the ICU team, which I don't understand because the ICU team's not following him. Or I don't even, I guess I really don't know. Maybe the ICU team is still following him and was allowing the... Yeah, he had a lot of support. So, um, that's what it looks like that he, you know, talked to the ICU team extensively and it was decided based on Beaumont's policies that they were going to stop the administration. And I wonder, because I even heard before, like, you know, what policy, who makes the policy that says uh, they can't use that? Like, no one ever says where that policy comes from. You know, or where uh, that says it. it'd probably have to be, like, our chief medical or somebody who has to make these policies. Um, I would assume it has to be someone higher up because, yeah, because they, they all have to be approved before they can even... And usually they look at policies in nearby hospitals as well before they start changing any of their policies too. And I wonder what they know about um, right to try, because right to try in Michigan allows him to use anything that's even non-FDA non approved, you know, experimental, whatever, when they've tried everything else and it ain't making any improvement, Yeah. they can use that. And if uh, I'm sure there's some something to be said about breaking a civil right yeah. <laughs> in a hospital. Yeah, I mean, because we're kind of at the point where, like, we're not, we're just here, and we're not, like, we got to do something. We can't just let them, yeah. you know, if it was helping, we need to. But, and then, so, if you can try to get access to it, you can be able to see all of these notes, too. Um, it pretty much just goes, the decision to reverse administration of controlled medicine based on the following rationale. That compound product from Clark Professional Pharmacy, unlabeled okay. capsules, a veterinary product. And they actually have it written in there. It's veterinary product. Yep. And I actually have a letter from the pharmacy, Clark's Pharmacy, showing that it's a human grade. So that they put a lie in there. Yeah. So, and then there's no possible use of veterinary product in our hospital. <laughs> Doctor. He's a genius. Was the prescribing physician is not on staff in Beaumont Health System, which we already knew that none right. of these people were on staff, obviously, because that's why we were was approving it. Right. Um, and it says Beaumont Hospital policy that all all major medical societies in the USA do not support its use. We recognize that some groups of physicians feel there is a value in this, but these opinions do not represent standard of care in the U.S. nor anywhere in the world. <laughs> Should have some of the ivermectin. Why it's on the NIH.gov for yeah. the human grade. If he's on the human grade, and I proved that through the pharmacy, 
and that's on the NIH.gov as a treatment option for the for the virus. And it also has studies showing right now that it can be effective against ARDS. Right. And so, and if he has the right to try something like that, that should be his well, right. We're kind of at a point where, like, we, we tried, you know, most stuff we can do at this hospital. We don't have, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. our policies only allow us to do certain, you know, drugs for, that's where it gets tricky. You know, our policies only allow us to do certain much, and then when we have to go above again, we should be able to start being able to bring in stuff. Because mm -hmm. he's still on the ventilator, you know, he's still very much here, you mm -hmm. know, and he's not deteriorating right now. Like, we're keeping him you know, stable for the most part, like, why not try a new drug, but, um, yeah, I think you're probably going to have to contact the chief of the chief hospital him. somehow, and then talk to him, and then if you have that paper, I don't know, maybe he just never seen that paper, who yeah. just showed the paper too that it was, um, so far I've just shown the chief of, uh, staff, so they've all seen, they've both seen it, okay. but, yeah, and then I uh, haven't even talked to the ones who revoked it yet to even be able to do that. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think you'd have to probably tell them about that paper and then... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this is a mess. Yeah, it sure is. Sure is. <clears throat> oh, Because oh. he got... Did he get a dose? No, yesterday it was stopped, right? Mm -hmm. So you only got three. Three. That's the night he first started. I was on the unit. <coughs> yeah. He was really doing some big improvements just out of three days. That was crazy. Like his numbers, like from his yeah. blood gas, were doing really good. I think I'm gonna have respiratory just bumping back up to 90% um, on the ventilator since it's just hanging out now at 86 and he's not really bouncing around too much. Mm -hmm. Just see if that helps him. Maybe just not quite. So there you have the second video and I played it in its entirety. So you weren't, weren't thinking that I just picked out small little clips and focused, you know, on those clips with uh, taking them out of context. So definitely did not do that. You, you hear both of the nurses that are talking in these clips um, express their concerns. Now in this last one, obviously they were not in a room full of helium, by the way, I just changed their voices and uh, blurred out the screen um, to protect their identities. And, uh, uh, but you did notice that the, the doctors, first of all, have every understanding that ivermectin is a drug which is prescribed constantly for humans. They know that. So the whole argument of veterinary drug versus a drug for human consumption really goes out the window because this is part of common practice. That's why this is a Nobel winning drug. Uh, you know, this has been used, like I said, for 65 years. And if you go and you find the NIH document, the uh, 2E, I think it was that uh, Stacy referenced, you'll see that it is actually listed on the treatments for COVID. And she was not just making that up, that, that exists. So the question is why the resistance, especially as Ryan deteriorated there, why the resistance to just going that course? It's his right. Uh, it was Grace Shara's right to uh, not have a DNR placed on her illegally. Uh, you know, so this is the same thing here with Sarah Mitchell as well. You know, the ivermectin, the drug, obviously, right to try covers that. So just me in this immediate 
uh, area here and looking at the stories. I mean, I, I, I have these examples. There are many, many more. You'd go online and research that yourself and find them. So I would like to hear, uh, again, I'd like to hear from somebody who actually was uh, a medical professional and whether or not you are um, coming on to tell me that this is absolutely not true or you're coming on to tell me that it is true, um, you're more than welcome to email me at redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com and we can, um, we can get you on and we can uh, let the viewers decide as they, as they will. Obviously, I have a pretty strong opinion. Um, again, it's just my opinion. But uh, I hope you enjoyed this show in the in the spirit in which it was in, uh, intended, which is to share information and uh, to make people more aware of some of the possible uh, dangers uh, from a treatment perspective. So thanks for being here. We will be back on next Sunday again at four live stream on Rumble and CloudHub uploaded to Frank's Speech and several other platforms afterwards. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.